Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here's a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. All right, you can open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. And I would encourage you, uh, if, if you use a similar Bible, if you like the same Bible to read devotionally each day, write in that thing, highlight it, underline things, circle things. Uh, even in his parables, like we were talking about last week, if there are reoccurring phrases or words, circle those things. If there's a similar miracle that you saw, maybe put a, mark, a star next to it or a, a square next to it, a certain shape, and then go back and see different patterns that the Lord is speaking to you uh, from in his scripture. And if you use uh, your phone, if you use a uh, technology for it, there are every one that I know of that's a good app. You can highlight in those. You can take notes by double tapping and a little window will come up. So uh, engage with his word uh, so the Holy Spirit can engage with you. Like I said before communion, uh, Mark chapter five is power packed. I mean, there's a major deliverance an immediate healing and then a raising of the dead. And as I was reading through this this past week, you know, I started thinking uh, uh, just about our church family reading through it. And it really, a chapter like this begins to test what we really believe. Like if we slow down or if we just continue to, to read through and it's like, okay, this is our religion. You know, I'm a Christian, so I believe the Bible. But if you're actually slowing down, you're like, do I really believe this? Like in my heart, am I gonna receive by faith that there was a man with thousands of demons in him, completely set free? Am I gonna believe that there's this lady with 12 years with uncontrolled bleeding, completely healed? Do I believe that this girl was actually dead and raised back to life? Right? If we slow down enough and start to actually say, you know what? I believe. And it's not like some emotional hype. It's not because, again, like I've said before, it's not because the lights are right and Adam's hitting the right note and the keyboard's playing. We're like, yes, I believe. <laughs> You're sitting there by yourself with Jesus saying, I believe. If any of you parents out there have watched with your kids uh, Polar Express, the one scene toward the end, uh, he doesn't believe in Santa Claus anymore, and uh, so he doesn't hear the bell ringing throughout the movie, and this, this bell drops, and it doesn't make any noise. He picks it up, and he's like, I believe. Shakes at nothing. He's like, I believe. Shakes at nothing. Then like, you, you almost watch. He like, calms down. He's like, I believe. And then he hears that bell ring. Every single one of us has to go through that experience. I do not want you just to read through the Bible as a tradition, as a habit, as a routine. Habits and routines are good, but we have to let the Holy Spirit speak to us through these things. Like, I've read through Mark chapter five a lot of times in my life, and I'm coming out of it a lot more amazed at what Jesus did than I was just a week ago. Like, he's amazing. These are awesome things that happen to people's lives. So here's the question. Do you think Jesus changed his style of ministry because he's in heaven and not on earth anymore? Right? Are we going to make the connection between I believe he can do it to I believe he will do it? Right? This is a process that I call, at least for today, removing barriers and boundaries of faith. A lot of times we say, I have faith in Jesus, but we have these boundaries on our faith and say, okay, I do really believe. I hear the bell ring and Pastor Christ, I believe it happened way back then because Jesus was on the earth. And guess what? The spirit of Jesus is still on the earth. He's called Holy Spirit. 
So when we start removing boundaries from our faith, when we start saying, okay, I used to believe it's only possible in this time, or I hear it happening in Africa and in Brazil and all these places, so it can happen there. It just doesn't happen here. Maybe we don't have enough faith. I don't believe it's always a faith issue. I believe it's a boundary issue. I believe that we actually believe that these things happen in our heart, but with these boundaries up, well, yeah, it can happen here, there, and there, but it's not gonna happen to me. This chapter challenges us to remove the boundaries of our faith, to pull those testimonies from 2,000 years ago into our lives. All right? So fortunately, none of you, at least to my knowledge, aren't filled with thousands of demons. I don't know if we have anybody here with uncontrolled bleeding, and everybody's here seems to be alive. So these three specific situations might not apply to our lives, but the results do. There's deliverance still for today. There's healing still for today. And there's resurrection power still from today. And so, much, so many times, even in my own life, when I'm talking about these things, you get like ramped up and excited. And then like sometimes we, we just rely on emotions in that moment. That's not what this is about. It's about faith. So faith is not a one-time thing. Like you don't come to church and have faith for healing when you come, when you come down to the altar. And then when you're turning around, you go on your, the rest of your life and you don't have faith. That's how a lot of Christians approach their life, right? You have faith for a breakthrough. It doesn't happen, so you're a little discouraged. So we're gonna have faith for it again the next time we come into church to receive prayer. Didn't happen, so okay, that's a failure. So then you're gonna call a friend, like your most spiritual friend. You're gonna receive prayer, prayer for them. So you work it up. Now I have faith in this moment, and it didn't work. And that's what backsliding Christians often face. Is I've had faith for here, it didn't work. I had faith for here. I've tried it three times, three strikes, and I'm out and they fall away from the Lord. Faith is a lifestyle of always believing. So then as you see him work and as you have testimony in your own life or as you see him work in other people's lives, your faith increases. Now you believe more and more and more. And at some point, I honestly don't believe it's about having more faith. I believe it's about removing barriers, limits, and limitations that we have on our faith. In fact, Jesus rebukes his disciples oftentimes because of their unbelief, not because they don't have faith. He does say it sometimes, you who lack faith, you faithless generation. But a lot of times he'll rebuke them for their unbelief. So they believe it can happen. They just don't think it's gonna happen to them. So that's what I wanna do today. I wanna just remove some of these barriers. We're gonna give an opportunity at the end for people to come forward to receive prayer. If there's a specific barrier or boundary in your life that you feel like you've just been holding on to, so I'm gonna go through just the power of Jesus in this one story, and then I'm gonna connect the other, three, the other two stories together of how I believe there are some boundaries identified here. So if we take a look at, at Mark chapter five, starting at verse 14, or actually at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus and his disciples, they go across the lake to a region of the Gerasenes. When they arrive, Jesus encounters a demoniac. That's somebody who is possessed by demons. You'll see in scripture, he asks, what is your name? Sometimes if you've been trained in deliverance, they, they, might, they might train you that you always ask that. Jesus doesn't always ask his name. So if we're looking for patterns in Jesus's life, that's not an ongoing pattern. And in this situation, he asks what his name is. They say legion. Legion means many. Sam, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Do you remember from your study Bible how many it said in military terms? 6,000 to 8,000? I, I thought I remember three, maybe three to eight. So somewhere, so somewhere in those areas. So we were talking as a family because we're going through the chapters together. So Sam's Bible uh, is a study Bible where it actually says what the military 
um, what the military term of legion means. So he read that to us, and it's more than the thousands of pigs that were there. So we know he has thousands of demons inside of him. And yet by the end of this story, he is completely delivered, okay? So this man's living in the tombs. He's running around the tombs. He's screaming. He's cutting himself. He's breaking chains. People can't contain him anymore. In verse 14, it says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they had come, came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they, and they were afraid. So, like right there, like you have to stop. Jesus delivers a man whose life is completely ruined. And he's sitting there dressed and in his right mind and the people come and they're freaked out. It's completely opposite. Because what would those people have done? They relegated him to, he's crazy, he's out there, we don't want to ever see him again. Please don't ever come back into our town. And now they see him there and they're afraid. It says, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. We think we would say, come Jesus, minister to everybody else. But Jesus wasn't operating like the rest of the culture would. So we got to be careful of how we judge people. And so we may have been just as freaked out and said, I'm not sure if I'm into this. Right? Because when something is beyond our ability to comprehend, you know, you've probably heard some people say this, maybe it's you, where you say, well, I don't get into all that mystics and supernatural stuff. What that means is you've relegated into a far off spiritual place because you don't want to participate in it because you can't understand it. Guess what? Jesus was into all that supernatural stuff. Like this was his life. Follow his ministry out. The majority of it was delivering people from demons and healing the sick and then preaching the kingdom. So we don't really get the opportunity to say, I'm not really into that stuff. It's like in your face. So this phrase hit me before and it hit me again this week. One phrase, verse 15, he was sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I believe that these three phrases represent the power of Jesus in our lives. First, sitting there. I believe that this represents spiritual healing. This man was filled with thousands of demons. His spiritual life was not in any type of capacity to follow Jesus at this time. There was no way that he was going to be able to do that with these demons in him. So what happens, right? With him sitting there, being able to actually comprehend what's going on, being calm, being controlled, not running around to all the tombs and so on, I believe represents that he had that new heart and that new spirit. If you follow out more of Jesus's teaching, I do not believe that Jesus just delivered him and didn't bring him to a belief in Jesus. Does this make sense? He wasn't just clean, but he was clean and then filled up. Even in Ezekiel, it talks about that we're gonna receive a new heart and a new spirit, but that the old heart of stone is what? Removed. So I believe him being able to just sit there and relax in the presence of Jesus represents a spiritual healing that the old has been removed and that the new has come. And Jesus wants to do that to us still today. That phrase dressed, I believe, represents a, spirit, a physical health. Again, if you have a study Bible like my kids have and like I have, is you'll be able to see Mark chapter five relates to Luke chapter eight. It's the same story, different account. So in Luke chapter eight, verse 27 says, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And then we know from the Mark is that he would cut himself. 
Him being dressed to me represents a, a physical wellness, a physical freedom, and a physical healing. In fact, it doesn't say in scriptures, but I'm banking on that those scars that he cut himself with were completely gone. I don't know where they had to change of clothes at, but I know that that man was running around naked beforehand, cutting himself, screaming. And by the time the people show up, he's sitting there calm, fully dressed. You know, when I think about that, we've heard testimonies, even from Dan Moeller, who was here a few years ago, about people who, had, who, who cut themselves and had scars and so on, and they were actually healed of them. I started thinking about even our teenagers being so confident in the power and the authority of God that they can go find the, find the other youth, find the students that's depressed, that's in, caught up in the Gothic movement and so on, that cuts themselves because they hate themselves because the devil is trying to torment him and actually pray and like lay their hands and you remove the hand and it's gone. If we believe that this happened in scripture, we have to be able to believe that that's possible today. In the middle of a hallway, listen, I felt led to pray for you. Let's believe that these scars are gone. And guess what? Youth, if you pray and you lift your hand up and the scars aren't gone, you didn't fail. You win because you obeyed Jesus. You're doing the ministry of Jesus. So you don't have faith in the moment and then think, oh, I either succeeded or failed. No, Jesus is the one that heals. We're the one that prays. Amen? It says in, in uh, Luke chapter four, verse 40, it says at sunset, this is just another situation. It says at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who, were, who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. That sets a standard that Jesus wants to heal every single person with all kinds of diseases that come to him. I wanna see that. You know, we've seen, we've seen legs, we've seen knees, we've seen backs, we've seen cancer, we've seen tumors no longer there, right within the walls of this church, praying. But I want to see Jesus get everything that he paid for. So though we can be completely confident in him and be satisfied with where we are in him, we don't have to be satisfied with the results yet. We can say, Jesus, I want you to get everything that you paid for. So now we can ask him to use us as a conduit to see this, but maybe not even being used, maybe actually receiving it for yourself right? Maybe you feel spiritually naked, maybe physically because of something that's wrong in your body. Let this story connect with you, completely healed. This third phrase says that it was in his right mind. I believe that this represents emotional healing. It says that he was crying out among the tomb, that he was being driven to solitary places by demons, Right? This was, there was no way he was able to think within his own power. And yet he was sitting there, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. First Corinthians talks about how we have the mind of Christ. But then Romans talks about how we have to renew our minds. So we're given the gift of having the mind of Christ, but then it has to be renewed. Jesus gave him such a precious gift. Right? A brand new journey that he's on. And yet they were afraid. I want to see these results in my own life and in the lives of others. You know, I was at Starbucks uh, last Tuesday. I often write my sermons there. I know there's like a lot of people around, but I can concentrate in the environment. I don't understand why. But there's a gentleman who was there the last couple of weeks, a custodian that was cleaning up. And this man is legit. Like he mops, he mops like every 15 minutes and then he cleans the chairs off, but he goes down and he cleans the bottom rungs of the chairs. I mean, he 
is an awesome worker. Now, I observed, it appeared that he had some limitations just by the way he would respond to me, but I've encouraged him every time. I'm like, dude, you're doing such an awesome job. I love your work ethic. Like, you're an encouragement to me and to other people as you're working hard. So he would just say, thank you, thank you. Well, I was getting close to leaving and I saw him wrapping up his stuff and I felt like the Lord said, invite him to lunch. There, there were some restaurants right across the parking lot and I'm like, that's gonna be weird. Like if I'm back, if he says no and like looks at me like, you're crazy, I'm coming back next Tuesday to write, write my next sermon. So of course I'm nervous, the little stomach ache, the hands and so on. So I walked up to him and I said, hey, I said, I, I wanna be able to just take you out to lunch. And in fact, the lunch partner that I have reached out to hasn't gotten back to me uh, from the testimonies that we're sharing. So I'm like, okay, maybe this, this is what the Lord wants to do. So I said, you are such a hard worker. You like really impressed and encouraged me. Can I just take you out to lunch right here? And he was like, oh, maybe another time. He said, I'm getting picked up. Uh, and he said, I already ate something here. He said, but thank you so much. So we just started talking and he started using words like the Lord. So I was like, you know, Jesus as your savior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So through a conversation, it wasn't like a witnessing. He wasn't gonna let me take him out to lunch. And he said, I wanna do everything I can for the Lord, but I had severe, uh, tra severe traumatic brain injury years ago. And the Lord just quickened me. This isn't about the lunch. I'm, now follow me. I'm writing a sermon on like complete and immediate deliverance, healing. And I'm writing, I already wrote the paragraph of, do we really believe this stuff? He's like, I have severe traumatic brain injury. I'm like, can I pray for you? So I have to say, I wasn't like 100% focused while I was praying. I'm being so honest with you. Because I'm like, praying and I'm commanding his brain to come back to all functions, that his blood would flow, that his nervous system would be recalibrated as the Lord uh, uh, had created him originally. And all the while I'm thinking, do I really believe this could happen right now? <laughs> so after he, you know, nothing happened immediately, but as he left, I started thinking, man, what if? What if next week I come back and he's behind the counter serving the drinks and no longer mopping? What if he's able to look at me straight and he's like, Jesus is doing something. So that's the hope that I have in my heart right now. Like there's no reason to believe anything less. It's in his word. So no longer, I'm not, I'm not approaching this and saying, oh, I was confused. I didn't have full faith. It's never gonna happen. I'm like, what if something happened? What if everything happened? It's not me anyway. All I did was partner with Jesus. I invited a guy to lunch. And instead, he wanted me to pray. He didn't want me to. Jesus wanted me to pray for healing. So in the middle of Starbucks with people looking at me like I'm a weirdo, you lay your hands on somebody and you pray. Right? Nobody knew I was a pastor, so I don't get to use that card. I don't ever say, hi, I'm Pastor Kurt. I'm a minister here. Hi, I'm Kurt. Just like y'all have a first name too, right? Do we believe that Jesus really wants to do this today? These are some boundaries I want to talk about that I saw in these three stories that I believe oftentimes limit us in our faith. In verse 18 of this same situation, it says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed or by demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had, has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This man's current boundary was a belief that he had to go with Jesus to remain free and successful. And that's what I believe that this or represents in our own lives. It represents the belief that we need to go somewhere else with Jesus for him to move in our lives. 
This man was like desperate. It says he begged Jesus, like, give me an oar, get me on the boat, I have to go with you. So he's desperate to stay with Jesus because he's probably thinking this, this man's powerful. I've been with him just for a few minutes. I'm completely set free, got a new pair of clothes. This is a good deal. So let me go with him. Jesus, with no evangelism training, like no, hey, be a part of this course for 12 weeks and go through this and memorize these scriptures, then we'll send you out. He says, no, don't let this be a boundary to your faith. Go back to your people, take what you already have and do something with it. And I believe oftentimes we do, we get nervous. We say, I'm not trained enough. I don't know enough. I don't have enough scriptural references ready. So I'm gonna use this. God, I just need to keep rowing with you. Keep rowing with you. I gotta go somewhere else with you. I gotta do something else with you. I gotta pray longer, know more, quote more, all that stuff. And Jesus is saying, I've already given you my spirit. Like go to the people I've already sent you with Pour yourself out so I have room to fill you up. Right? But we stay filled up with the stuff that we have and we want more. We just want to row with them. Just row, row, row your boat. He's saying, drop the oar, go to the people, remove the boundary. So I believe we inadvertently, we have faith that he wants to move, but we have more faith that the traveling evangelist is going to save our friends than we have Jesus saving our friends through us. Because we just want to be with Jesus. And he's saying, yes, you need to be with me. But there's a moment in time where you have to just go. Do you see, he didn't give him a script. Do you know what his script was? Tell them what the Lord has done, for, how much the Lord has done for you and how he's, been mercy, how he's had mercy on you. That was his script. We can use it as a script. Tell people what the Lord's done and the mercy he's had on you. Mark chapter five, verse 21. New story. Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he had saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So Jairus here, he's a leader in the synagogue. We would call that like the local church. So he had seen Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. I wonder if he had seen any other of the miracles, but something led him to believe that Jesus could heal. So his little girl's dying again. He's desperate for this breakthrough. And he says, listen, Jesus, it says here, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus responds to that. I love Jairus' faith. I love his commitment to go and say, listen, Jesus, if you just come to my house. But what the Lord's showing me, even though Jesus honored the guy's faith and it was right for that moment, this can actually be a boundary in our lives. His boundary, his current boundary was the belief that Jesus had to visit a physical space in his house and lay his hands on his daughter to actually be healed. So I think these keys, these represent our belief that Jesus has to come to us in a specific way for us to be raised up. It's actually a boundary. We believe that we have to have the right evangelist, the right visiting pastor, the right pastor, the right person, the one who prays in tongues longer than us, the one who just came out of a fast. We believe that we have to have Jesus come to us in a specific way to get our healing. It doesn't mean we don't have faith and Jesus rewards our faith. What I wanna do is remove the boundary. I wanna be able to say, Jesus, you don't have to come. In fact, there's another situation, I think it's in Matthew, where a general uh, in, in the army comes to Jesus and he says, hey, one of my servants, they need prayer. And Jesus says, I'll come with you. And what does he say? 
You don't have to come. You don't need the keys, Jesus. Just say the word and he'll be raised up. Right? Completely free of a space and time boundary. He's saying, just say the word. I am not putting Jairus down. I would like his faith to believe. Right now, Jesus, if you enter the room, I know it will happen. I'm not demeaning his faith. I'm saying these can be a boundary in our life. Are you with me? So what it says in Mark chapter five, verse 41, he took her by the hand. So this is later on. He actually goes, at the end of the story, he goes with her. He enters the room. He removes all the other people. He has his three disciples, three close disciples. He says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Listen, Jesus had resurrection power back then. I want to believe he still has resurrection power in our lives. I don't want time or space or location to ever limit me. I don't want to ever put it in my mind that Jesus has to, come, has to come in a certain way. Jesus is Jesus. He can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. We need to stay focused on Jesus. The third boundary, in verse 25, it says a woman this is as Jesus is on his way with Jairus to see his daughter. It says, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. This is such an awesome story. Like she's saying, Mark's drawing this out. that She got all the help that she could, but she wasn't getting better. In fact, she was growing worse at times. And she had faith that Jesus could heal her, right? He actually rewards her for her faith. He actually admonishes, uh, encourages her for her faith because she's thinking this. But it can also be a boundary in our life. And here, it was an activation, a point of contact for her faith. But there was a belief that she needed to touch his clothes to be healed. I believe that this robe sometimes can be a boundary in our lives, that we believe we have to do something specific toward Jesus for his power to be evident. Now, again, many of us in this room would love to have her faith. He honored her faith. Jesus meets us where we are, but then he expects us to grow. Later on in the gospels, whenever the, the disciples cannot deliver this one child that kept having seizures. He no longer met them where they are. He says, how, must, how much longer must I stay with you? Unbelieving generation. And he rebukes them for their unbelief. So in this situation, this robe was a point of contact for her faith. In our lives, sometimes I believe it represents a boundary that stops us because we believe we have to reach out in a certain way, right? Have you ever had this thought? If I could only get to that revival service, if I could only get to that conference, if I could only get to that person, if I could only watch that video or read that book, then I'll be healed. Instead of just saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm growing in this thing. I don't quite understand all of this, but I believe you can heal me right where I am. I'm asking you, Lord, to remove all of the boundaries. Adam, your team can come up at this time. I said it earlier today. I'll say it again. I do not believe, 
Oftentimes, Christians have a faith problem. I believe we have a boundaries problem. I believe we have put, put our experiences over God's word at times. And in that, we put God in a box of how we think he can work. So we think that if we only spend this much time with him, if we go somewhere else with him, then we'll be delivered. Or if he only comes to me a certain way, because I heard it happen to somebody else that way, so I'll wait for that moment, then we'll be healed. Or if I only do something specific to Jesus, then I'll see something resurrect in my life. Those are all good points of contact for faith. And you know what? Sometimes Jesus will actually have you do things. Like Jesus would say, stretch out your hand to the individual. He'd say, stand up, take your mat, and go home. So there are things that Jesus will test your faith in so that you're demonstrating your faith in Jesus. What we don't want is for these boundaries that we've put up in our place to get in our way. Why don't you stand at this time? I do just want to spend a few moments, it's still a little bit early, in the presence of the Lord. And we're just, we're just going to sit here and you're going to be able to come forward. We'll call the altar team forward in just a moment. I just want you to ask the Lord, is there, some, is there a boundary I've put up that is stopping me from experiencing the breakthrough or the healing or the prosperity or the joy, whatever it is in your life? If there's one thing that you're pursuing God for right now and you're saying, what is stopping me? It might not be your faith at all. Your faith might be right where Jesus is saying, I am so pleased with where you are. And maybe he's walking towards you right now. If you could picture him with a smile on his face, right? We're not trying to earn more faith. Jesus is pleased with your belief, with your faith that he can do it. So we're just asking the Lord, are there any boundaries in place right now that is stopping this, that is hindering me from just taking that next step in you? You know, if you identify that boundary, if you're just asking, maybe you want to come forward just to ask the Lord for more clarity in your faith, more confidence in your faith, the ability to see in your spirit before you can see with your natural eyes. And Father, I just take a moment to pray for every person that came forward today, that you would remove boundaries, that you would give clarity, that they would see an immediate breakthrough. Even though that we're in process, we believe for right now, right now results because it's evident throughout scripture. Jesus, when you showed up, things changed. Father, for every person who was at their seat, I pray, God, that you would encourage them with how pleased you are with their faith. I pray that they would see you smiling down. You're not angry or impatient with us. You're completely satisfied with us because we are one with you. So Father, give us, let us see the smile of Jesus upon our lives today. Let us be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is here to break every boundary and every limit that we put on without even knowing it. Continue to reveal these things to us so that we can be more encouraged in our walk with you. Bless us, show us favor. God, fill us up so we can pour out to others this week until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out at centralconnect.org.